Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our youth pastor, Joshua Shively. Good morning, everybody. Uh, If you don't know who I am, my name is Joshua Shively. I've been the youth pastor here at Calvary for uh, just over six years and um, gotten to lead these amazing middle schoolers and high schoolers through some pretty crazy times over these last six years. It's been, it's been a ride. It's been a ride. But uh, my wife and I and our two kids have just been so blessed to be here at Calvary and to just to serve in the way that God uh, allowed us to and how he opened that door. But um, yeah, so we've been here for six years. And then I said, like I said, I've been the youth pastor, but today is actually my last day. Uh, if you don't know, uh, my wife and I and our kids are uh, stepping out of full-time church ministry and moving into the mission field. And so uh, come the end of January next month, we are moving to Chiang Mai, Thailand uh, to step into uh, a, a mission field with reaching the, the unreached of the, of the Southeast Asia, Africa, China kind of area there. Um, my wife and I will be running an internship for young adults and um, just doing what God has called us to do. It's, it's really exciting. And so today's my last day. Um, they've paid me all they could pay me so I can say whatever I want. But um, <laughs> I'm joking. I love Nate. And I want Calvary Monterey to keep being my supporting church. So, uh, no. But, uh, but yeah, it's just been, it's been an amazing time getting to serve here at Calvary. You know, when my wife and I and our kids came here six years ago, we actually came as church planners uh, under Jeff Buck to uh, hopefully go plant a church somewhere. And it just so happened that they needed a youth pastor and at that point in our ministry life, I'd actually never been paid by a church. I wasn't ever on staff or ordained. And so they were like, hey, let's, let's give them a shot. And, and uh, Nate and the other pastors brought me on. And it really has. Like, it's been such a growing time and just such an amazing time of serving Jesus and, and getting to, to be a part of this body. Just through some really crazy times uh, over these last couple of years. And we're just so blessed for it. We really are. And you know, as we kind of wind down this season, we've been so blessed with the youth and all the goodbyes. And, you know, I know when we came out with where God was calling us, there was like the heartache, you know, whenever change happens, it feels like loss. And so there was the heartache of it. But I think over the last five months, I think it's been communicated and prayed over and every one of the youth have, have captured the vision of, of someone being called to faith and being called to a deeper understanding and relationship and calling in Jesus. And so, I'm just so blessed, I know my wife is, our kids, that, that we get to live in this legacy of faith and be an example, um, and that these youth, the ripple effect, as they continue to serve here at Calvary Monterey and the Peninsula, um, and they're just going to give the next guy a run for his money. So it'll be good. It'll be good. And you better. You better. So, because um, you are not easy on me. So, uh, <laughs> but I want to give you a little update. Um, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12, so if you want to turn there, you can, but um, kind of where we're at as a as a family stepping into the mission field. You know, we went to Thailand uh, in July for 10 days and it was an amazing trip. Uh, the youth that went were impacted in, in huge ways um, and apparently impacted us because, you know, as my wife and I sat and talked and prayed and saw what God was doing in us and what God was doing in my daughter and my son, uh, it was just evident that, that we were being called. And so the last five months we've been in all of that, learning what it means to step into the mission field through um, all the outreaching and talking to people and visas and fundraising. And I just want to say, Calvary Monterey, thank you so much for being our sending church. We're, we're so excited. We actually hit um, our 
the $20,000 moving like kind of goal that we're going for. So we hit that. And so, um, praise the Lord, you know, it's awesome. And uh, you can clap. It's okay. It's all right. Yeah. First service clapped. First service clapped. And they're like, they were way more asleep than you guys. So we hit, we hit our goal there. And so with that, now visas are in process. We have our plane tickets. We'll be flying. We'll be, well, we'll be in San Francisco on January 28th, um, sending our dogs off and then eating our last In-N-Out burger for two years and, um, and then hopping on a plane to Chiang Mai at about 12.05 uh, a.m. on the 29th. Uh, it's about a 16-hour flight to Taipei and then another four or five hours from Taipei to, to Chiang Mai. And, and um, the Lord has just been so faithful in all these ways. As we look at the projected year, the finances were just about 100% um, with our, our monthly needs as we, as we move into the next year. As long as everybody that said they would put in on January 1st <laughs> will uh, we'll be good because we're going. It's, it's, it's all there. And, um, and uh, now we're just looking at some of the bigger things that kind of come up that God is providing in amazing ways. Um, I just want to thank you, church, for being our sending church. Uh, you are one of two churches. The other one is Calvary Chapel Forest Hill, which is up in Northern California. And it's actually the church that Erica and I uh, started serving on when we were dating when, when I think she was 19, I was 20, something around there. And um, the church was about a year old and the pastor came to me and was like, hey, you're young and you love Jesus. Do you want to run a youth ministry? And I was like, sure. And here we are. Uh, so, but no, we're just so blessed and and the fact that this church, and there's many families in there that, at that church that have known me since I was a little guy, and, and when I got saved at 13, and, and they've just known my family, and it's just an amazing thing. And then many, many of you that, that know us or have been impacted by our ministry um, are just supporting us in, in, through prayer and finances, and just so blessed by that. Um, I just want to encourage you, stay connected with us. We, we're gonna have, we have a monthly newsletter that you can sign up for with the little cards they got in the Welcome Center. And we just, we want to continue to stay so connected to Calvary Monterey and just let this be such an anchor for us as we, as we step into this, this next season of our life. And, you know, it, it really has been an amazing, an amazing, an amazing adventure watching God move. Um, for me personally, as a dad, uh, getting to watch how God is moving in my kids through this, you know, my daughter, she was actually probably the first confirmation um, before Eric and I even talked about why, like, if Shang Mai was, was it. Um, and then, you know, my son, he's, a, he's more of a, of a processor. And a couple of days ago, I asked him, I said, so how are you feeling about this? And he goes, 60-40. And that's why he kind of, you know, he's very analytical. I go, what do you mean? He goes, 60% excited, 40% unknown. <laughs> and I was like, why unknown? And he goes, dad, we were there for 10 days. We have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> and it's like, you're right. We don't, you know. I just love his, his desire of like, I'm 60% excited, but there's just 40% of this that I have no idea what we're doing. Um, but to seeing the faith grow in my children, my wife, um, who I am the, intro, or the extrovert, I can make friends with a brick wall. Um, she's more, a little more, you know, conserved and takes more time to process and watching God just encourage her and push her. Um, it's just been, it's been so amazing. And so as Nate gave me this opportunity to teach the last Sunday of 2023. I didn't want it to be like a New Year's resolution or like, you know, what's your plan for 2024 or all those things. But I wanted it to be what God has been teaching me, but then also what I desire for the body of Christ, what I desire for Calvary Monterey, what I desire for every brother and sister that I come in contact with, that they would, they would come to this place of, of a deeper faith, and not just a faith in Jesus and not just like a concept of faith, but the essential of faith. 
And so that's why I titled this message, Essentials of Our Faith, because when something is essential to us, we can't live without it. It's, it's like water or air. It's like food. We, it's an essential in who we are. We need it as human beings. God has created us to consume those things. They are essential to us living and existing. And I wanted this message to be that, but not in a way of, of physical, but of faith, of the idea of, of what does it mean not just to be a human being, but to be a Christian, to be a man or woman that seeks after Jesus in a deeper way And I believe the only way we can get to that, the only way we do get to that is by faith being an essential part of our life, being something that is so real and tangible to us that that we have to to step into it. We have to grow in it. And and not just the concept, again, of faith or something that we we say because it's really Christian-y, but literally something that is deep in who we are. And so let's get into the text this morning. We're just going to do verses 1 and 2 of Hebrews 12. And then we'll, we'll see what God has for us, okay? You guys good with that? Yep. Yeah, okay. So Hebrews chapter 12, verses one and two, the writer says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse two, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so, Father, we come before you with this word. We come before you with your word, and that's how powerful and real and true it is. We pray that this morning it would be that double-edged sword that pierces into our hearts and minds and changes us, God. Don't ever let us leave a sermon or a time together like this unchanged. And so, Father, we just thank you that we can apply your word, that it's so applicable to who we are and our desires for you. Uh, Spirit, I pray that you would do the the working this morning. Um, God, it wouldn't be my words or my performance, but it would be your working in in the hearts and minds of my brothers and sisters here. Thank you so much for this time. We give this to you. We praise you alone in your name. Amen. So whenever we look at a verse like this, or personally, whenever I read uh, Hebrews 11 or the first part of Hebrews 12, even Hebrews 1 talking about faith or Hebrews 11, Faith is, is hope in things unseen. Um, for me, it always comes down to this long-distance walk. For me and my personal faith, it's like when I, when I seek after Jesus, when I think of my sanctification process and I think about pursuing after the Lord, it always comes down to this long-distance walk in the same direction. This long-distance walk of trusting the Lord, knowing that the goal is ultimately Jesus. It always is, always will be, no matter if I find myself in the valley of the shadow of the death or I find myself at the top of the mountain, the goal is always Jesus. And it's this long distance walk. And my life is just this constant pursuit of Jesus. It's this constant walking in who Jesus is. And, and, and really, if we look at scripture, walking is something that's actually biblical. It's something that, that actually brings a real spiritual root to what it means to be a Christian. Very rare do you ever find in scripture of a man or a woman of faith standing still. Unless they're just resting. But even in their standing still, they are, they are, they are laying prostrate before the Lord. They are, they are laying themselves and bowing before God even in those times, but yet walking is something that's biblical. Um, maybe some of you actually enjoy running, right? And that's, that's okay. Some of you are runners, and um, me, myself, I'm not too much of a runner, honestly. I, I'm more of a, of a jogger. Um, but the, the thing is, like, some of us run, and some of us, some of us love that, and we, we, we can get the speed, and we get the miles and the steps in. And then also some of us, like, just like walking, we, we like the slower pace. We like the, 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 to kind of stop and smell the roses, as it were. But see, the thing is, we as Christians, we're always moving forward. 
We're always trusting God in this. And like I said, this is a biblical concept. In the Old Testament, walking is actually referred to 266 times. In the New Testament, it's referred to 93 times. And through both of them, it, it, it has these biblical references of, of kind of your, your behavior or your attitude towards walking, even the direction of vanishing or walking into the wilderness or to death even, the idea that there's a goal always. In the New Testament, it even means to go out or to hold on to, to confirm or to follow. See, there's this biblical idea of moving forward, of walking, of, of pursuing something, of having a goal. And see, the idea of this we, we, can, we take this conception of walking, of moving forward, and then we apply it to our Christianity. But see, I think before we step into that and of the faith of what it takes to be a Christian, we need to remember, well, what is, what is this thing called Christianity? What, what does it really derive from? Why should we put faith into it? Because we call ourselves Christians, but why do we do that? And see, this example of God creating, and even in Hebrews 11, it, like, the writer talks about this, how we have faith that God created. I mean, I don't know about any of you, but were any of you there at the Big Bang? or in, in God creating all things, right? And I mean that by God creating all things. Like, like you weren't there. I, weren't, I wasn't there. I, I, like, I don't know about you, but I had never seen the molecules and the, the things that hold me together, right? I didn't wake up this morning and tell the synapses in my brain to start firing or the, my, my heart to start beating blood or my lungs to start, like I didn't do any of that. But yet I have faith that these things are all working together. We have faith that God created these things. Right? God created it perfect in the beginning, and then man broke it. Our disobedience, our free will, our sin nature uh, broke that, that perfect thing that God created. But then God set the stage through the Old Testament. We see this through his, his use of men and women that are just as broken as you and I, but yet used them to show his glory, his character, ultimately with the Jewish people as light to the, the pagan world. All of it, all the Old Testament pointing to Jesus as the Messiah. Jesus comes on the scenes. He, he does the work as the perfect spotless sacrifice, the lamb of God. He does all that work. He then dies on the cross, being the, the perfect manifestation of God's character in the flesh. Then conquering the consequence of sin, which is death, Jesus resurrects from the dead. And then after doing all that work, he looks to you and I. He offers us his righteousness his forgiveness, his salvation. And we sit there and we accept it and we become the church. And that's why we call ourselves Christians because Jesus did all that and showed us all those things. And then we say, we wanna be like you. We wanna be Christ-like. And so we are Christians. Now, as we look at this thing called Christianity, as we walk down this road, this path, this long distance, this long obedience in the same direction as it were, following after Jesus, what faith does is it brings a component to our walk that we absolutely need. A lot of times we use the word faith or we, we have the concept of faith in our Christian walk, but yet we don't apply it. It's kind of like just physically walking, right? You guys all walked in here, you know? You walked in, you didn't even have to think about it. All the chairs are facing this way, right? Our custom of church tells you, you come in, you sit, you listen. Like, you didn't have to think much about this, right? Maybe you got coffee or you gave someone a, a hug or something like that. But um, the idea you came in, you just walked. But if we look think about the concept of walking. First off, it has to be intentional. <laughs> if, you don't, if you walk without intention, usually you're gonna fall. <laughs> There's some stumbling, right? And even when we don't think about it, we're still walking with intention. Maybe you're a heel-toe guy. Maybe you're just, you know, the ball's your feet. I don't know, you know. Um, I walk with a kind of a sway, they tell me. I don't know. So the, <laughs> um, but there's an intentionality to it, right? Also, our walk has to be purposeful. There has to be purpose in it. 
right? You are, you are moving from point A to point B. You're climbing the stairs. You're going to greet somebody. You're going to grab something. You're going to the fridge, right? There's an intentionality. There's a purpose to it. But ultimately, the greatest thing that, that you need with walking are your feet, a foundation. You don't have feet, you're not going to walk. Ultimately, you think of like, what kind of shoes am I wearing today? There's a purpose and intentionality to the shoes that you're wearing. Maybe you're a barefoot person. That's okay. I had some youth kids over the years that they literally were always barefoot. Um, except when we went to Santa Cruz. I would not let them walk around Santa Cruz barefoot. Uh, but the idea is that we have purpose, intention, but then we have this faith. Okay? And the same way when we walk, we have to have intention, we have to have purpose, and we have to have this faith that our feet are going to take us from point A to point B. They're going to take us up that mountain. They're going to take us through that valley. They're going to move us forward. And see, a lot of times as Christians, when we think of our walk with Jesus, our long-distance walk, this life, the sanctification process, we stand a lot in the intention and the purpose. That's something tangible to us. That's something I have control over. I can choose a day when I want to be intentional and have purpose, and the things that I do, right, the choices I make, right, I, I, I like to be in that place because I, I have a sense of control in that, but see, we tend to miss the faith aspect of it, we tend to, to bypass it, we talk about it, but yet if we're truly living in faith, what we're doing is saying, saying, God, I have, I have these things that you've put me in t- control of, my purpose, my intention, but yet ultimately, the faith, the chaos, the the lack of common sense at times, when God calls us to something that is beyond us, beyond our strength, beyond our intention, beyond our purpose. And see, we have to have both feet. We have to have both feet ready to walk in purpose and intention, but ultimately, and I would even argue, stronger into faith. See, as human beings, it's a good balance to have, you know, purpose and order and a little bit of chaos and disorder. It's good to have a balance in that. But yet as Christians, it's not just purpose and disorder or chaos and and order, but as Christians, it's faith and the unknown, the hope and things unseen, the trust in an invisible God, but yet is so visible to the one that is looking. It's faith in Jesus Christ that the life that I choose to live for him and as I bow down and as I worship him, that I will die one day and I will stand before him because of his righteousness and his salvation, that faith needs to be something that is so tangible to us just as much as our purpose and our intentionality. It has to be Christians. And see, my hope today is that we go through this sermon is that that you come to a place of seeing how essential faith is, That, that, that the intention and the purpose of your walk is important. It is. Showing up today is just half the battle. I would agree with that. Just showing up to church, just being here being a part of the body, as awkward as Christians can be and the church can be, you showed up this morning. But I I want you to leave here with the concept and the ascension, how essential faith is to your Christian walk. Ultimately, my hope today is that this sermon builds in you, one, the desire for faith, the desire for faith, two, the necessity in your life for faith, and three, the joy of faith, the absolute joy of living a life of faith for Jesus. Eugene Peterson I wrote a book called The Long Obedience in the Same Direction. Um, one of my yearly reads, if you've never read it, please read it. It's so encouraging. It's so just heart-wrenching of how Jesus, what he's done for us and what he's calling us to. But he said in, in the book, Long Obedience in the Same Direction, what seems most important are the private, independent acts of faith that become more necessary every day. 
He summed up this whole walk, this whole life, this whole sanctification as we follow Jesus, as we daily pursue him in just daily independent acts of faith and just the necessity, the essentialness of the faith in our life. And so Christians, I hope today that you would come to a place of desiring the necessity of it and the joy of serving Jesus. So we start out in verse one there, the first part of verse one, chapter 12, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Now, the writer of Hebrews is referring back to chapter 11, the hall of faith. Uh, If you haven't spent much time studying chapter 11 of Hebrews, spend some time in it. See these men and women that the writer calls out of history, men and women that were just like you and I, guys. They're broken, they're sinners, they, they have isms and habits and problems. They, they, do, they mess up all kinds of stuff. But see, what sets them apart, what we, why they were in the Old Testament in God's word and why they're set in, in Hebrews chapter 11, and then here we are talking about them 2,000 years later, why is because they said yes to God. They said yes to faith. They didn't just hold on to the tangible, but they stepped into the realm of trusting God outside of their ability. Men and women, just like you and I, that, that have a robust and strong and maturing faith. And we can look at them now. We can read them today, read about them, and be encouraged. They're examples to you and I of what men and women can do when they say yes to God, when they desire faith, when they desire a working, actual, moving, maturing, solid faith in their life. It's almost like if you go back to the beginning of your walk with Jesus, when you accepted the Lord, more than likely someone brought you to church or someone led you in an idea or a concept or the the beginning knowledge of what it meant to be a Christian or what it means to believe in God. Maybe it was your parents, your grandparents. Maybe it was a youth pastor or or someone, a neighbor or a friend. For me, it was a group of friends that started going to a youth group and I started going with them. Even though their faith was shaky at best, and really what brought us to, what what day that I, I call the day that I converted was a, was a, OC Supertones concert, um, ska, live, long live. Um, so <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the idea is that, that someone led you, someone with more faith than you had led you to, to this place of concept or understanding or salvation in Jesus. And that was, in a sense, this cloud of witnesses around you. This was the mature, more mature Christian around you, more mature faith around you saying, come to Jesus, come see what this is about. And see, that, that is attractive to someone that is, is desiring Jesus, someone that is thinking about it. If someone has a faith that is actual, a faith that is real, and someone that is curious or open to it, there's an attraction to, to genuine faith. And this is what we are now called to as we are now the cloud of witnesses, guys. We are the church. As we live our lives, as we reach out to a community around us, as you are in your sphere of influence at your job or at your school or at your sports team, you are now that cloud of witness where your faith is now open to, for everyone around you to see. And there needs to be a desire in us to grow in that faith. Because at some point you had a desire for faith because those around you and now those around you want to see a faith in you that, that can grow in a desire in them. And see, the beautiful thing about this faith when we read chapter 11, when we step into chapter 12, is that that it's God working in us. It's not you and I. Even if you read verses 39 and 40 of chapter 11, it says, and all these, though commended through their faith, right? All these men and women that are commended through trusting God and walking in faith, did not receive what was promised 
since God had provided something better for us that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. See, even these men and women that we read about or even some, some older man or woman in your life right now that's discipling you, they're not gonna see perfection in this life. They're gonna be broken. They're gonna have that root of sin their whole life from womb to the tomb, man. They, they will have that root of sin. You and I will too. But see, we have this hope, this faith that one day we will, will reach perfection. One day we will stand before God in a, in a perfected place. There is a promise, a promised land, a heaven, a being with our heavenly father that in, and puts in us this desire for more faith now, to trust this. Also in verses one through three of chapter 11, it says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. See, this, as this desire for faith grows in you and I, as we step into this realm where it's, it's not just the tangible or the, the things that we can control, but yet the things that God is calling us to and we desire this more and more, the fact is that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. My hope is that, that as I end 2023, I'm more like Jesus than I was at the beginning of 2023. My hope is that as I grow and mature as a Christian man, as I grow and mature as a father and a husband, that I keep pointing towards Jesus. The hope is that I'm more like Jesus tomorrow than I am today. And see, this is a thing that, that, that I won't fully see or be completed in in this life. You or I won't. But yet that doesn't stop us from desiring to be more like Jesus, desiring to love like him and live like him and preach like him and share like him because ultimately he is the goal. He has to be. What else in this life is, is put in that place? If you, if you lay out the, the, the phrase, you know, better than, and it's Jesus is better than, better than everything. What would be put in that place where Jesus is better than what? And so when we look to him, when we look to what he's done and that cross and, and the redemption that he has for us, you and I, what we lean into is this desire to walk in faith, to be more like him. It starts with desire. See, when Erica and I started this journey 18 plus years ago, um, it was messy. <laughs> it wasn't clean. We were young. And a lot of our ministry and our marriage um, was marked with immaturity, childhood wounds, and a whole lot of us doing it on our own, in all honesty. There's a whole lot of Josh, a whole lot of me pushing through, a whole lot of me just grinding through. But by God's grace, there were men and women that God put in our path that, that spoke to us and poured into us and loved us and, and convicted us and called us out like, and was was were men and women that built a foundation for our faith that honestly, we still stand on today. There's a lot of those men that I still call and talk to today that, and I lay myself before because I trust them because they showed me what a more mature faith was. And even today, they're still 18 years ahead of me in their faith. And so I can still call them. And see, if anything, Christians, I wanna encourage you that, that you have a lot of you in this room, you, you're in a place where you, your desire for faith needs to be more robust so that those around you can desire the faith that you have, can desire the walk that you're having. This is, a, this is an ongoing thing. This is part of that walk. You're not standing still. You're moving forward in this. So we look at this great cloud of witness. We see that it's us that's being called into that, that witness and, and that should desire, put a desire in us for a deeper faith. He then continues, or the writer of Hebrews continues by saying, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, as you read this verse, we see the desire, but that desire then turns into the understanding of a necessity in our life. That faith becomes this necessity in who who you and I are in our Christian walk, what it means to be a Christian, the necessity of faith. That it's no longer just a concept or this idea of being Christian-y, but yet I live out faith. My life is something that, that bubbles over in faith. See, without the substance of faith in our daily Christian walk, we can become weighed down, we can become immovable and ineffective. We must see the purpose and the necessity of faith in our everyday Christian walk, or else we become self-reliant humans who can have no effect on building the kingdom of God. See, just like the writer says here that also lay aside, you see these other, you see these other Christians, they walk by faith, you're being called to walk by faith, to live in a place that God is calling you out and calling you into a deeper relationship with him. Now, have, find the necessity in your life. When we know that something's a necessity or we make something a necessity in our life, we, we, we move towards it. Whether it's something physical or mental or spiritual, the fact is when it's a necessity, it's important to us. We make the time for it. We put aside the, the hours or the, the devotion to it. When something is a necessity, we make it important to our lives, to who we are. A lot of us, we're even defined by the necessities in our life. And yet is faith something so important to us that it, is, it defines who we are? So I really believe, as the writer says here, that if faith isn't a necessity to you, if it's something that you do not allow to be a part of your Christian walk, then you do become, in this sense, as he says here, um, weighted down. You become immovable. You even become in this place where you cannot be used in the kingdom of God. See, the fact is, guys, that, that when we stand in that place of, of, of you know, substance and we stand in this place of, of allowing the weight of the world or the, the, the weight of sin to hold us back, we actually become bitter and angry and, and really just like harsh people. Because ultimately what we're saying is I'm in control, God. I don't need faith in, in who I am. I don't need the necessity of faith to be a Christian because I've got it covered. I can handle it. Look at my life. Look at, look at the business I have. Look at my accounts. Look at the marriage I have. God, I, I've got it covered. But ultimately, we let ourselves down, don't we? I don't know about you, but if I look in the mirror and, and I, I make myself my own God and I think, you got it, Josh. The moment I let myself down, the moment I blow it, like, who, who do I have to blame? Myself. So it's this vicious cycle of like, I'm condemning myself because I'm letting myself down, but yet I keep making myself my own God and it just doesn't work. And yet the necessity of faith, what it does, it removes us. It removes those weights, it removes those sins. And what it says is, God, I trust you to be Lord over my life. I trust you to lead me in a deeper way. And when we do that, we become lighter. We become effective. We become pliable. We become teachable. We become impactful in the kingdom of God. Hebrews 11.6 actually says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. I would even say, Christians, that if there's not a necessity of faith in your life, you are cutting yourself short of what it means to be a Christian. You are, you are laying yourself um, bare, but in the wrong way, in the opposite way than, than laying ourselves before the Lord. We're laying ourselves out and yet just kind of cutting ourselves short without the necessity of faith. Here's a little contrast for you. Um, we've all heard the story of the rich young ruler in Matthew and Mark and Luke. You know, this young man, he comes to Jesus and, you know, he's, he's known by the disciples. He's known by the town. He has money and he has, you know, fame in a sense. He's, he's known within the people. He comes to Jesus and he says, Lord, 
And Jesus says, hey, you got that right. Like, I'm not just some rabbi. I'm not just some prophet. I am Lord. I'm, I am, I am like the Christ. And he says, God, what, what must I do to be saved? Lord, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says to him, well, like, do all these kind of Christian things. Step into a realm where, where you're doing a lot, where you're, you're showing, in a sense, like, you can do these things. Right? Go feed the poor. Go, go take care of the orphans. You know, go tithe, you know, that kind of stuff. And you know, go to church every Sunday. And the rich young ruler says, well, I've done that since I was a kid. I, that's something that, that's a part of who I am. But then Jesus then turns to him and says, that's great. But now sell everything you have, give it to the poor and come follow me. And we all know the end of the story, the rich, rich young ruler goes away sad because ultimately he had this outward expression where he was living within the tangible, everything he could control, the wealth, the fame, the prosperity, what he could give to the poor, to the widows. He, he was living in that realm. And yet Jesus was calling him to the realm of faith, saying, now give all that away and trust me that the kingdom that you're giving up here, you will receive in me. And the rich young ruler goes away sad because he couldn't give it up. He couldn't let go. He couldn't step into that realm of faith. And so ultimately that root of pride in him, the, the reputation, the power, the comfort, the security, it was something he just could not let go of. He couldn't trust God. And ultimately, what we see in him is, is this self-resilient man. This man that said, I can take care of it. I've got it covered. I can be Christian without faith in my life. And yet, we look at then men and women, and I want to pull one out of history for you, C.T. Studd, who was a missionary in the late 18, 1800s into the 1900s. If you've never read about C.T. Studd, take some time. He's got a couple little books out there. But the man was just incredible. Actually, the exact, exact opposite of the rich young ruler. He was, he was raised and born into, into wealth and prosperity. His father was an extremely um, you know, influential and wealthy man in England. He grew up with never wanting or needing anything. Went to a prestigious college and then became actually a professional athlete. He was, he was a world-class cricketer for the British royal team. Had everything a man could ever want. And yet had this, then had this radical conversion with Jesus and, and gave it all up, forsook his father, forsook everything that he had and moved to China to reach the unreached, to reach men and women who had never heard about Jesus before. Spent time in China, then moved to India. While, when, while in India, he, his father passed away and he inherited like millions, hundreds of millions of dollars in today's wealth. And C.T. Studd decided to give it all back to missions. He was married to a Scottish woman who was a missionary also who was living in England at the time. He gave her a bunch of money for, for her orphanages and her, her widow ministries. And he gave it all away and then ultimately died, what we would say, a poor man in Africa, in the Congo, in the middle of the Congo. And what we see in him is this resilience, this necessity of faith in his life. He had lived the wealthy life. He had lived in this realm of having control, of having all the tangibility that he, he could ever want. But yet when Jesus called him to faith, what makes him a man that we could look to as that cloud of witness is he said, yes. And he was truly willing to give it all away, trusting God that even if that faith led him to the deepest, darkest parts of the Congo, he would still say, but it was worth it because I'm walking in faith, trusting the God who has done all things for me. I mean, this is, this is what God is calling us to do. C.T. Studd said, only what's done for Christ will last. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Let us not glide through this world and then slip quietly into heaven without having blown the trumpet loud and long for our Redeemer, Jesus Christ.
Man, that, that, amen. Yeah, you can say that. Um, <laughs> that lights a fire in me to, to step deeper into this realm of faith, to trust the Lord, to trust him no matter what comes in my life. I mean, we're all, if you call Jesus Lord and Savior, we're all gonna stand before him and you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. You will. And praise the Lord for that. But brothers and sisters, I want my faith to lead me to where when I get before Jus, my knuckles are bloodied, and there's busloads bus of kids behind me who know Jesus because, because of the faith that I lived. To me, that is worthy of everything that would be sacrificed in this life. To me, that is necessity. And brothers and sisters, I would hope that as you step deeper into this faith of following Jesus, it becomes such a necessity to you that no matter what God calls you to do, you're willing to do it. You're willing to step into that realm. What is God calling you to do, brothers and sisters? Maybe it is sell everything and move to Shanghai, Thailand with the Shia place. Maybe it is. <laughs> But more than likely right now, it's, it's that barista that made your coffee or that, that bartender or that, that waiter. Do they need to be invited to church? Can you have the faith just to step into that and say, hey, I go to this really awesome place that we meet every Sunday. Really cool people. Do you want to come check it out? Like, it, it'll change your life. Maybe it's being more involved at Calvary Monterey. Maybe God is calling you to step into faith, step into a place where you can be of impact here. There's the old adage, you know, 10% of the people do 90% of the work. I don't know if that's true, but there's work to be done. The harvest is plentiful, Christians. There are, there are people that, that have the concept of the God of the universe, but yet have no real tangible faith or salvation in him. And yet we're the church where maybe God is calling you just to be more of an impact in your community and the, the, the place that he has you in right here. Maybe it's trusting God or walking in faith through a really difficult season. I get it. Life is tough. We find ourselves in the, the valley of the shadow of death. We find ourselves in place of anxiety and fear and depression. I get it. It's tough. But is God asking you to have faith to trust him through that? Maybe your faith even led you into that valley. And are you trusting God when you don't feel the warmth of the sun each and every day? Or maybe God is asking you to trust him with the habits or the isms of your life the things that we've held on to, the, the, the idols or the gods that we think bring us comfort or, or, or kind of protect us from the world or protect our wounds. Maybe God is asking you to have faith just to let those things go. See, whatever it is, you need to know this, Christians, that God is calling you as Jesus followers closer to him and deeper into faith. This is a fact. The fact is that Christians are to live by faith. It's a necessity, just like air or water. It needs to be important to who we are. Faith in the God of the Bible, the God that created all things. Faith in the fact that he holds you deeply and dearly. He made you, he cherishes you, and he will never let you go. Faith in the fact that he is sanctifying you day by day, even when you don't feel it. He's calling you deeper. Faith needs to be a necessity. It needs to be a desire. It needs to be a necessity. And then ultimately in verse two, it needs to be a joy. He says, looking to Jesus, the founder or I like the term pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, ultimately, faith needs to have a joy about it. There's a joy within faith and, and following after Jesus. There's a joy that comes when it becomes, when it's a desire, then a necessity, and then we find this joy because ultimately, Jesus showed us the joy Of walking by faith. It says there that, that he was despised, despi uh, I'm sorry, it says there that, that 
for the joy that was set before him, he endured this cross. And see, the beautiful thing about faith in Jesus is that when we finally let go of all that we are, when we finally abandon all the wasteful things in our life, we truly walk by faith and realize that it's always been Jesus and it will always be Jesus. See, when we let go of ourselves and we realize that we're not God, that, that ultimately I'm not in control and I trust Jesus and I'm willing to, to lay myself out and do whatever he's called me to do, then I realize he's always been there and he's with me now and he will always be there. Philippians verse, chapter one, verse six says, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. It's his ultimate faith in the hope that Jesus is doing this work in us, but he started the work. He's the pioneer. He's the founder of your faith. He, he, he pulled you out of whatever state you were in, and he was willing to step into your life as a pioneer, no matter what mess you were in, to do the work, the loving, patient, just this absolute like enduring work of a farmer in your life, planting that seed of faith, cultivating that crop, and is now still working in you and ultimately has gone before you. So no matter where you're at in this walk, you can trust that Jesus was there before. He's with you now as your advocate and your protector, and he's already before you. As you trust him in that faith walk, he's already before you. He's already there saying, he's saying, trust me, I'm already here. I already know what's gonna happen. He's always been there to be with you, to help you through these things. See, we can find sweet joy in a life of faith because ultimately Jesus found joy in the work of the cross and resurrection. See, this is a hard concept for us to swallow, that Jesus found joy in the cross, in the, the act of crucifixion, not just the act of crucifixion, but see, we take it a step deeper, and our faith tells us that he found joy because he ultimately knew the end result of the cross, the end result of taking on yours and my sin, the end result of being separated from the Father for the first time in all history, all existence, that, that he found joy in that because he knew the relationship that we would have. He knew the church that he was building. He knew you, he knew me, that we would follow after him, that we would desire to be more like him. We would desire to be light and salt and to, to impact the world for him. And so Jesus found joy for that. He found joy because he was completing God's plan. And ultimately, guys, when we die one day, we get to see the completed work that Jesus did in us and the work that we got to impact in this world. We get to have that joy also. We can experience it now, but see, we have to choose to live within that. We have to come to the realization, if it's a desire, a necessity, and we find this joy, we have to come to the necessity or the, the, the understanding that anything, if we put faith in anything other than Jesus, it's just gonna fall short. It's just not gonna fulfill. It's not gonna be what, what, it's not gonna be what God is truly calling you to be. And as Christians, if we're not finding joy in, in faith in Jesus and trusting him and following after him, then and ultimately what we're gonna do is we're gonna find, try to find joy in other things. And see, Christians, this is something that's dangerous. This is something that takes away our potency. It's something that takes away truly like who we are as Jesus followers. See, one of the things that really confirmed in me that Chiang Mai was, was the call for our family is we got back from the trip and and we had like one day to rest and I was coming to church that next Sunday to kind of finish all our receipts before we went on our, our family vacation just to like disappear for two weeks. And I couldn't sleep. And so I, I went out on the front porch and it was about one in the morning and I pulled out my laptop and all my papers and I started like kind of doing the math and 
being like type A, planner Josh, and, and trying to put it all together. Is it even practical? Is it really going to work? Look at this economy. How are we going to raise this money? Kind of reading blogs, all that kind of stuff. And finally, it was one of those moments in my life that God was audible. And he stopped me and he said, Josh, you are not going to bring your family to Chiang Mai. I'm bringing your family to Chiang Mai. And it was just one of those moments where I had to let go and just trust that the Lord was doing this. That, that choosing faith over Josh Shively, choosing faith over who I think I am and all the things that I can plan and do. And then here's the product of it. God's moving a family of four from the central coast of Monterey to Southeast Asia to be impactful to people who have never heard the name of Jesus Christ. And it's not me. It's not Erica Shively. It's not Eliana Shively or Seth Shively. It's God working in us. It's the faith of Jesus Christ. It's him saying, will you go? And us saying yes and trusting him through every one of those. See, there's such a joy in serving Jesus because ultimately, you guys, the adventure of, of serving Jesus, it bubbles out and it becomes part of who you are in deep and intimate ways. So as I finish up here, I just want to give you a couple applications. So again, desire. Desire each day to know Jesus more. Just in, in, in little ways. Read the word, pray, spend time in community. Just desire to know Jesus more each and every day. Desire to be more involved in the building of God's kingdom. Desire to grow and mature with the brothers and sisters around you. Be about community. Just desire the kingdom of God above your own. Necessity, right? Find the necessity of living within God's kingdom where the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus said these things. He said, whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Jesus said that I come to give life and life abundantly. Find the necessity of living within that kingdom. Make it important in your life. Put it above all other things. Let Jesus be the king over your life. And then joy. Just daily look to Jesus and choose to live within the joy of dying to self and finding your life in him. See, Christians, if we don't let this be something that's, that's, that's a part of our daily life, the foundation of who we are, then we're missing out on the key element of what it means to be in God's kingdom. It's not about you. You're, you are to die to yourself, and it's about Jesus. And that's where faith steps in and drives us, drives us deeper, drives us to more intimate relationship with him each and every day. Now, I want to read Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3 again, but I want to um, read it from the message. And so, Bernard's going to put it up there on, on screen. I just think it's a great kind of period or end point to this. So Eugene Peterson says, or kind of translates in this, do you see what this means? Talking about chapter 11 again. All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we'd better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in, in and with God, he could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in a place of honor right alongside God. When you find yourself lagging in your faith, go over the story again, item by item, that long of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your soul. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. 
You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.